Okay. We are doing now Monday's portion of the Eshana, which has in it, as we're going to see, actually the reading of the ninth of Up. So we're beginning here. We're in chapter 4. We're verse 5. Moses, Moshe says, see, I've taught you statutes and ordinances, ordinances, as God, my God, has commanded me to do so in the midst of the land to which you come to take possession of it. You shall safeguard and perform them, for it is your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the peoples, which shall hear all these statutes, and you shall say, surely a wise and understanding people is this great nation. So you should safeguard it. Rashi explains this to mean study it. You should perform it as it sounds, which means do it. Because it's your wisdom and understanding, through this, we are considered wise in the eyes of all the people. So through the commandments, this is the instrument that the people realize our wisdom and understanding. So the verse continues, For which is a great nation that has a God who is close to him, as is God our God whenever we call to him. And which is a great nation that has righteous statutes and ordinances, such as this entire Torah that I place before you this day. So what do we mean that statutes and ordinances are righteous? It, I mean, you know, righteous we usually think as referring to a person and his behavior. How are the commandments righteous? Meaning they're fair, they're acceptable. The verse continues. Only beware for yourself and greatly beware for your soul, lest you forget the things that your eyes have beheld, lest you remove them from your heart all the days of your life, and make them known to your children and your children's children. Because when you forget them, it's going to be it's going to be foolish to you if you don't forget them and you perform them in their authentic manner. You're wise, you're understanding. So if you distort them because you forgot them, then you become foolish. The verse continues. The day that you stood before God, your God, at Chorev, when God said to me, gather the people to me, and I shall let them hear my words, so that they shall learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and they shall teach their children. So we're referring here now to the previous verse, when the verse said, remember what your eyes beheld. So what did our eyes behold? So we're saying here, what our eyes beheld is the day we stood at Chorev. Chorev is where we received the Torah. So we saw it. We saw the sounds. We saw the flames. We saw God giving us the Torah. We were there. God said, don't forget. And um, we see here in the Hebrew, we have here Yumedun and then Yilamedun. It sounds very similar. It's just vocalized differently. So Rashi says that Unklos explains Yilmadun is to learn for themselves. Yilamadun is to teach to others. So earlier in the verse, the verse is saying that God's saying, gather the people and I'll let them hear my words, that they will learn. They will learn for themselves how to fear me. And then the end of the verse says, and they're going to teach this to their children. The verse continues, so you approached and stood at the foot of the mountain. The mountain was burning with fire up to the heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and thick clouds. So here we are describing, of course, in Devarim, in 
this book of Deuteronomy, we're reviewing many of the events that were that happened earlier. So now we're reviewing this whole receiving of the Torah. God spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You're hearing the sound of words, but you are not seeing a likeness, only a sound. He told you of his covenant and he commanded you to observe the Ten Commandments and he inscribed them on two stone tablets. God commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and ordinances. You shall perform them in the land to which you cross to take possession of it. So, Rashi is explaining what says God commanded me to teach you but that's referring to is the oral Torah. So when we're saying teaching, it has to be the oral because the written Torah, of course, would have been accessible for everyone to learn on their own, so to speak. Verse continues, But you shall take great care for your souls, for you did not see any likeness the day God spoke to you at horror from the midst of the fire, meaning you didn't see anything physical. So don't start making physical items to represent God because, you know, God does not have a physical form. You saw, and you saw that there was no physical form. Let's act corruptly and make yourself a carved image, a likeness of any shape, a form of any male or female. So any, Rach explains the word semel here in the Hebrew, any shape. A form of any animal that's on the earth, a form of any winged bird that flies in the heavens, a form of anything creeping on the ground, a form of any fish that's in the water under the earth, all of this is forbidden for us. Unless you raise your eyes to the heavens and you see the sun and the moon and the stars, the entire legion of the heavens, you be drawn astray and bow to them and worship them, which God your God has apportioned to all the peoples under the entire heavens. So you're raising your eyes and you're looking at these things and then your heart leads you to, to sin by following them. So Rashi explained that the verse says God has apportioned to all the people. Rashi explains this two ways. One is when we're looking at these heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, they were given to give light to the people. That's interesting. You could say, what do you mean? Also, uh, the Jews get light from the sun, the moon, and the stars. But commentators explain that that's only temporary, now in exile. Ultimately, God is going to be the source of our light, as it says in the prophets in Isaiah. So these heavenly bodies are portioned to the world to give them light. Or these bodies, these celestial bodies, have been apportioned to the nations as their gods. Not meaning, of course, that God wants them to sin with idolatry. No, idolatry is forbidden for Gentiles as well. But here he, so to speak, gave them the ability to... They could misinterpret the control these celestial bodies exercise over their lives, and they could view them as gods. He doesn't want it to happen, but that's what it's for. It's not for you. Continuing the verse, but God has taken you and withdrawn you from the iron crucible, from Egypt to a nation of heritage for him as this very day. Rashi explains that word core, the Hebrew as a crucible, as a vessel that refines the gold, the metals. So here, Rashi says, a crucible for gold. Because here's Israel, here's the Jewish people, this precious gold that was refined through the smelting pit of Egypt. 
So in other words, what we're saying is, God loves you so much, you're so precious to him. And this he would do? Verse continues, God became angry with me because of your matters, and he swore that I would not cross the Jordan, that I would not come to the good land that God, your God, gives you as a heritage. So Rash explains this, and Nathan, the Hebrew to me, became filled with anger because of you concerning you, because of your affairs. As the verse continues, for I will die in this land, I'm not crossing the Jordan, but you are crossing, and you shall take possession of this good land. Now, obviously, as Rashi points out, once he says, I'm going to die here, obviously he's not crossing, so what we need that extra phrase for, so Rashi explains that Moses, Moshe meant, even my bones aren't going to be buried there. The verse continues, beware for yourself, that you'll get the covenant of God, your God, that he has sealed with you. And you make yourself a graven image of a likeness of anything which God your God has commanded you. So here we're going, going back to the same prohibition we were discussing before, this prohibition against idolatry. Rashi says it's this likeness of anything. Likeness of any means really likeness of anything that God has commanded you, meaning he's commanded you not to make. Because he's commanded you not to make these idols. In the verse, for God your God, he's a consuming fire, a zealous God. A zealous God, Rosh explains, means zealous to take vengeance. And if anyone worships idols, he will, he will punish them. He's zealous in punishing them. And now, with verse 25, we begin the reading that was read on the 9th of Av, on Tisha B'Av. When you give birth to children and grandchildren, you'll have become, been long in the land. You will go corrupt and make a carved image of the likeness of anything. You do evil in the eyes of God, your God, to anger him. So this word, and you will have been long in the land in Hebrew, Zinoshantem. Rashi says this word hints that they're going to be exiled from the land at the end of 852 years because that is the numerical value of the word Zinoshantem. 852. But actually, if we calculate it, they were exiled, not after 852 years, but after 850 years. What happened to the two years? Well, God specifically made this decree and then took them out two years before the decree, not 850, not 852, because if you look in the verse, it says that they're going to be exiled and they're going to be completely destroyed. And God did not want to fulfill that complete destruction on the Jewish people. So therefore, he never let them, so to speak, fulfill the verse. He took them out before the verse happened, so he didn't have to fulfill this end point of their destruction. The Gemara explains this, and this is based on a verse in Daniel, which says, God hurried regarding the evil, meaning and brought it on us, because God, our God, is charitable. The verse in Hebrew says, Kitzadik Hashem Elokeinu. vision means righteous. So the simple meaning of this verse is that God hurried this punishment and God is righteous, so we deserve whatever punishment he inflicts on us. But the Gemara here that Rashi is based on is saying, Tzadik here is like the word stuck at charity. That God did a charity with us. God was charitable with us to take us out early, two years ahead of time, so he would not have to fulfill what it says in the verse, after 852 years, that we will surely perish. 
that we will be completely destroyed. Of course, it's something wondrous, as I was thinking as I was saying the lamentations today, the keynote. That was everything we went through, and we survived. There were survivors, because there's millions of us around today, and our ancestors were the survivors from all that's been inflicted on us. God always ensured that the Jewish people would survive. The next verse continues. I call the heavens and the earth this day to bear witness against you. that you will surely perish quickly from the land to which you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of. You shall not have lengthy days upon it, for you will be destroyed. I'm calling the heavens and earth, Rashi explains. I'm summoning them to be witnesses that I've warned you. In other words, we need witnesses and warning here. So this is witnesses warning that there's going to be this punishment. The verse continues, God will scatter you among the people and you will be left few in number among the nations where God will lead you. There you will serve God, the handiwork of man, of wood and stone, which do not see, do not hear, do not eat, and do not smell. So, Onkelos, Rashi brings an Onkelos, which says, not that you're serving the gods literally, but you're going to serve the people to serve these false gods. And since you're serving the people who serve these gods, it says, if you serve the gods. Verse continues, from there, meaning from this place of exile, from this very, very fallen state, from there you will see God, your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you're in distress and all these things have befallen you, at the end of days, shall you turn unto God, your God, and listen to his voice. For God, your God, is a merciful God. He will not loosen his hold on you, and he will not destroy you, and you will not forget the covenant of your forefathers that he swore to them. So what does it mean he won't loosen his hold on you? I mean, he's going to hold on to you with his hands. He's going to not separate you from being next to him. He's going to stay connected with you. The verse continues, we inquire now regarding the early days that preceded you from the days when God created man on the earth and of those which are from one end of the heaven to the other end of the heaven. Has there ever been anything like this great thing, or has anything like it been heard? So as regarding the early days, and as of all the creatures who are found from one end of the heavens to the others, that's what the verse means simply, Rashi then brings the Agathic interpretation. They were talking here about a very specific creature, about the height of Adam, the first man, that was from the earth to the heaven. So is anything like this? So what is this great thing that we're talking about here? Well, that's what we're going to speak of in the next verse, verse 33. Has he ever heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard and survived? Or has any God ever performed miracles to come to take for himself a nation from the midst of a nation with challenges, with signs, with wonders, and with war, with a strong hand, with an outstretched arm, and with greatly awesome deeds? That is everything that God, your God, did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Oh, Moses is saying to them, God is saying to them, look what's happened. Look how much love he has you. Look what he's done for you. So the way this is vowelized in the Hebrew, ha, 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 like rhetorical questions here. There's been challenges, tests to show his might, 
there's been sign to instill belief that Moses is mostly the messenger of God. There's been wonders, the wonders like the plagues, and plagues were very wondrous. There was war. War was at the sea, right? In the splitting of the sea, God was waging war for the Jewish people. Verse continues, you have shown, you have been shown to know that God is God, there is none besides him. This is a very, very famous verse. This verse is a foundational verse in Hasidic philosophy, which expresses, there is nothing but God, all is God, only God. So Rashi says, this first word, her Asa, as uncle's translates, you have been shown. Because when God gave us the Torah, he opened the seven heavens for Israel. And just as he parted the higher realm, he parted the lower realm. And they saw there's only him. There's nothing but him. The verse continues, From the heavens he caused you to hear his voice in order to teach you. And on the earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from the midst of the fire. This is again now recounting the marvels, the wonders of the giving of the Torah. Because he loved your forefathers, and he chose his offspring after him, he took you out before him with his great strength from Egypt. So all the above, because he loved, all the above, Rashi explains, he did because he loved you. And he took you out before him. That's what it says in the verse. He took you out before him with his great strength from Egypt. So who is this him that he took you out before him? So Rashi gives two explanations. One is, him is reference to God. Like a person who leads a son ahead of him. So God took you out and God, so to speak, put himself behind you in your leading Egypt. Or he took you out before him. Him here means our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what we're saying here is when we went out, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob witnessed the event. They were leading up to the event of the parting of the sea. And they were there. God took you out before him. Him is a singular. It's a reference to all three of our forefathers. That's sometimes a scripture. He uses those singular for plural groups. So they were there by the splitting of the sea. They saw it all. And the verse continues, to drive away from before you nations that are greater and mightier than you, to bring you, to give you their land as inheritance as this very day. And Rashi says that we have to sort of switch the order to understand this verse, to drive away from before you nations that are greater and mightier than you, as this very day, as you see today. Because this we saw today that God gave us, so to speak, the lands of Sichon and Oak. And continue with the verse, you shall know this day and take to your heart that God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below, there is none other. You shall observe his statutes and his commandments that I command you this day, that he will do good to you and to your children after you, and so that you will prolong your days on the land that God, your God, gives you for all the days. 